This is exactly right. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. At the end of 2022. I have here in front of me your new pickleball paddle. Oh, the best paddle, it says on the box. I believe it's a, apparently Jamie Foxx, the actor, EGAT, multi-talented celebrity, is way into pickleball and he makes those paddles. What? Jamie Foxx did not send yes. us pickleball paddles. It is his no. pickleball company. No. It's just the paddle. I mean, I might as well show it to you. Yes, please. It's cool. It's in there. It's oh, pretty. Dude, I'm getting that. I'm going to get that from you. It is for you. And I'm not going to take credit for it because it was they were giving them away at this golf tournament I did. And <gasps> Hannah Drake Littman, who works for the Heart Foundation, sent me because I didn't get my trophy after I won. I left because I was sad. Oh, I didn't win the <laughs> chipping contest. So it's really a present from Hannah. But because I was like, I don't play pickleball. I was thinking about myself, but I was in my head because I was golfing. Anyway, sure, sure. Hannah sent you this. So it's from her. Hannah. I, together, it's, it's a dual gift. Oh, we are we supposed to share it? No, she just uh, was listening to the episode where where you and Dave were talking about, hey, we should start playing pickleball. And so she's thoughtful and said, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And you just uh, for a second here, I was going to take credit and I backed out. (laughs) And that's what Christmas is all about. (laughs) Like you were going to say you got it for me. I was. I was going down (laughs) that road, that that bumpy road of lies. The very you know what, though, what a. What a tempting road that is to be it, like, hey, look, I, you know, I listen to what you say. And I was thinking, what would you like most for Christmas? I could have gotten <laughs> I would away have done with that. It. And then Easily. I realized we talked about it. So I went and I purchased from Jamie <laughs> Foxx personally. <laughs> now, Out of his uh, trunk, the trunk of his car. I'm, I'm trying not to turn down those roads of lies. Good. Healthy. <laughs> also, if Hannah listens to the podcast, then she may may have heard you get to steal the credit. And right. then then she would probably go to Jamie Foxx and say, not only should we not have given this, but now you have an enemy. Right. An in enemy in, in high places. Oh, boy, that would be. Yep, yeah, that's it was out of fear. I just backed out. 
I think it's smart. Whatever it takes for you to not lie, whether it's fear, uh, future repercussions uh, and recriminations from Jamie Foxx, any of it, you don't want it. No, no. He's he's a man I've always been scared of. (laughs) (laughs) Quite muscular. My very first writing job was on a sketch show called Hype. (laughs) Into... (laughs) Sorry, in 2000 <laughs> and in the year 2000, I believe. And God damn, this is so long ago. It's so funny. But um, we were on the Warner Brothers lot and we were over by kind of on the back end in those. None of this matters, but <laughs> but I can just see our offices because they looked it was just so exciting to be going on to a lot to have a writing job. It was just like I was like, oh, all my dreams are coming true. That was your first Staff writing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And at first I had to take the bus there because I didn't have a car. It was right after I had to stop uh, driving for three years when I started having seizures after I stopped drinking. So so I was taking the the bus. I would have to walk over to Coenga and wait there for sometimes between 15 minutes and an hour and 10 minutes for the bus to come to take me over basically Coenga Pass and over Barham to the Warner Brothers lot. And Jamie Foxx used to have his show where he was a hotel uh, like a a hotel bell, I, bellhop, I think is the uh-huh. word for it. Um, which I used to also wa- watch on the WB and his shows. They wrote that like down the, on the other side of the building that we were on. Uh-huh. And so I used to, from my office, watch him pull into his parking spot and come into the building every day. And it was like a, the fun thing that we got to do, like a star that never happens yeah. when you, even when you're on a lot, it's usually just boring other people on the lot. Right. Right. Unless there's someone exciting, like a right, you love a certain executive producer and they're walking. Yeah. By <laughs> Almost never They've happens. Made the best behind the scenes decisions. Look at his oh, suit. Look at Look at his, the budgets this guy puts together are unbelievable. <laughs> but it was Jamie Foxx pulling up every day. And Jamie yeah. Foxx sometimes like, then we started doing this thing where you would figure out a reason to go walk by the stairway because he would be coming up it. And then we would just go to pretend to wait for the elevator or be walking by holding two scripts or whatever, like got to do business over in this area. We had no, no business on that side of the building at all. It was really exciting. And he's like, Jamie Foxx is one of the most talented people on the planet. Yeah. Hands I down. even forget, like there's a video going around right now where he's doing a Trump impression better than yep. anyone Better than anyone. And Snoop Dogg, it, it's like one of those shows where they're in a studio all in a semicircle and they are laughing so hard. And he, I, I just forgot he's this impressionist. Yep. Singer, actor. He's got it all. And he's a hell of a pickleball player. And he's so he is passionate about pickleball the way Dave Holmes and now I am. I his name was thrown around with these paddles so much that I'm I'm 100 percent sure I there. No one would just make that up. Because no, someone said it and I'm like, what? No, what? And then everyone kept reinforcing it. So I have to get that for you before I leave to go up north for Christmas, because okay. um, I have a lot to I... drop you off. I have oh, there's okay. I there's like San Francisco 49ers gear. There's a oh, lot of right. stuff. I just have it in a box here and I'm embarrassed and I see it. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm a bad friend. I'm just 
I've just been holding it for you. Uh, I love that though. That's kind of fun. It's yeah. almost like the, you know, the year in review of gifts that you've gotten. But I'm excited because the people that I know that know how to play pickleball and know the rules and know where the lines are, are all in Petaluma. So I can just basically call Adrian, my sister's friend Adrian, and be like, hey, do you want to play pickleball on these mornings? Because yeah. And then I can learn it from the people I know who know it instead right. of like, cause Dave and I were talking about, well, we should just go and we should find courts and we should like in LA. Yeah. Like that's so intimidating. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I need to be told like I subbed in a kickball game last week and I don't know that I've ever played kickball. I, I was assuming it was the same rules as little league baseball, but it's been since I was a child that I did that. It was so much fun. I had so much fun and I felt like a kid again. And it was a team sport when I haven't done a team sport in years. Yeah. And I felt it felt amazing. I I really enjoy it. It's very important to do like an activity, I think. And, and I think team team based because yeah. you when you do your individuals, you then attack yourself yes. and you have lots of big feelings. Whereas yep. if it's on a team, you have people to balance it out. Right. At no point, even when I missed a catch or didn't know what I was doing and I threw the ball in the wrong direction, I wasn't hating myself because there's a team there that was yes. also you just are more inherently more supportive of everyone. And it's healthier. And it's also kickball. Like it's kickball, which you can say that about golf, but golf is like kind of a businessman's game. And yeah. so I'm sure there's lots of things that come up. Whereas like, if you fuck up in kickball, you're like, sorry, I guess I'm not in third grade. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Yeah. I had no expectations. Well, I did a little <laughs> bit. I'm like, what if I run and my legs don't work and I trip? I was so scared that I would just fall down for no reason. Uh, but it didn't happen. Just like all of a sudden. <laughs> just all leg. of a sudden you're like, oh, I, it turns out I can't run at all. Well, it is when the ball is bouncing towards you very quickly. It is very hard to kick it. I will say I thought yes. that I would be way better at kicking it. I was like missing it. And almost doing a Charlie Brown onto my back, which brings me to my next subject. Oh, okay. Have you been rewatching any of the Peanuts Thanksgiving or Christmas holiday specials? I personally have not. Charles Schultz is from Santa Rosa. So like his, it was his hundredth birthday a month ago, I think. Oh, okay. And so when I was up there, they were having all kinds of like, memorials and talking about him and what a legend he is and everything. And it's very much ingrained. Also, my sister being a first and second grade teacher shows her class, both of those at the holidays. So I kind of do it vicariously through her. So I'm always like, Hey, did you show him it? Did you show him the Thanksgiving one yet? Cause I think I've told you this, my sister on Thanksgiving shows her class, the Thanksgiving one, and she makes them popcorn and M&Ms, all the stuff that they have at the Charlie Brown feast that yeah. Snoopy makes them, she makes for the kids, which I was like, the first time she told me that I burst into tears because I was like, I just realized that's what I've wanted to do since I was like six years old watching that special. Like, how it's fun do is what it? They're doing. Do what they're doing. Yeah. Eat what they're eating. Like live, you know, live Linus's life, live Peppermint Patty's life. Also, although, can I just say first, first we'll do the Thanksgiving special. People have pointed this out on social media. I find it absolutely jaw-droppingly horrifying. Franklin is sitting on one side of the table by himself, and he's the only black character. 
and they have him on one side and there's like six kids on the other side and it makes no fucking sense. It makes no fucking sense there. I mean, that had to be a mistake. They're so inclusive of them. They're sweet to them. I, I was paying attention to that. That was just bad art design. Yeah, but who I'd like to speak to the artist. Like, what was the mistake? What are you doing? I uh, yeah, yeah he is, is a big he's mistake. one of the gang, but it's like that is the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing to me. Unless somebody fucked around, like photoshopped it or something. Yeah, I don't know. Oh wow, oh, maybe. Oh, so you saw you saw still online? Yeah, I think I would have noticed that. I think someone. Annalise, was- do you mind looking to see if that's real? That Franklin sitting on one side of the Thanksgiving feast table by himself. I mean, as if there isn't enough depressing. It bothered even as a child. It did. There is an eerie like sadness to it's not just the music, but the fact that there and everyone always talks about this, but no adults around, no parents. No one mentions their parents. They're having they're making dinners by themselves. Yep. And Charlie Brown says the most, I hate my life. What is my life? Good grief. Oh, bro. Like he is so down on himself that I can't believe that was for kids. I, I know. I was laughing so hard at how openly hard he is on himself. And everyone's so mean to him. But then right in the end, they're like, you're a hero, Charlie Brown. Yay. And it, it right in the right in the very end, he's happy. They They save it. I love it. Yeah. It's so funny. Also, Linus is like the baby. He has a blanket over his shoulder. He sucks his thumb, but he is like a German philosopher. The shit he says is like deep. That is something I forgot or didn't notice when I was a kid. He totally says the most poignant, perfect things. (laughs) Yep. He's so smart. Literally as a kid, we're all, we're all just like, Hey, look, a dog and a bird are friends. Like no one is picking up on any of that adult stuff. I did actually as a kid though, it did make me feel uncomfortable that they were by themselves and that, that it was always this kind of thing where it's just like, I'm sorry, it's Thanksgiving. And somehow this group is just, just, they're all by themselves. That doesn't make sense. The, the parents are like, sorry, we went on a cruise for the weekend. Oh, uh, someone asked me to do stand up on a cruise. Are you going to do it? No, I can't. I mean, I do I, I'm a little bit of a jerk. A cruise ship is just a float giant porta potty that serves yes. fish. I can't. I'm scared to. <laughs> that's one thing that I've like, I, my brain has changed. I can't be on a cruise ship yet. I just can't. No, that it's actually, it can be very claustrophobic, especially if you hit any kind of slightly rough water. It's yes. very, it, to me, scary. Um, but wait a second. That just makes me think because we should come back to this peanuts christmas special oh, of course but before we do let's just super quick take yes. a right down the alley of there is a movie have you seen triangle of sadness no okay did you ever see the movie force majeure oh yes yes that yeah same director okay i just watched it this past weekend you have to see it okay speaking of what you just spoke of without any spoilers okay it's you're going to love it it's crazy and i it actually really will... wanted triangle of sadness to be some peanut special i didn't know about <laughs> i really like a dinner bell and they zoom in on it and it's, it's just it's it charlie rains, brown by himself <laughs> and it's just kids eating together no conversation <laughs> no music triangle of sadness <laughs> 
I didn't even I didn't even realize that perfectly, perfectly capped it off. Wait, sorry. Annalise, will you just tell me what this says? Yes. Annalise, please. Basically, yes, he's sitting on the other side of the table and Gene Schultz says that uh, that her husband didn't have anything to do with it. It was the director's decision. They think it. that it wasn't any ulterior motive, but um, I mean, it was the time. So it's very possible that somebody did. So because was it from the late 60s, does it say or the it was like a 60s yeah. originally, yeah. I think. But still, well, just as excluded, they are so hard on that. It's not that kid's fault, Pigpen, that he's dirty. That's his parents, <laughs> wherever they might be. Of course, they're never mentioned. <laughs> Very but, true. But I knew kids like that with a cloud of dirt around them with dirt, that were smelly. And it would always made me sad because it was just like maybe their parents didn't have a washer and dryer. I, yes. They are so mean. They bring up that he's dirty all the time. Yes. And and he's a sweet he also says sweet things. I I was really bothered by Pig Pen, the way the kids treat him. They are so mean to each other. Lucy is so mean. Lucy's super mean, and which I, I love always her. loved. <laughs> I, we love her because, you know, she's she's a self-actualized woman, um, which back then was very refreshing. But there's another one that looks like Lucy, but she has a ponytail and she's she's always like. Get out of here, Charlie Brown. Like she's the meanest, but she's not like a main character. And she says the meanest shit. And I think, yeah, I think there that whole thing was like, I think Charles Schultz meant to represent like kids don't have it easy just because they don't have jobs and shit. Kids go through shit that's very real. And I think that idea, whether it was conscious or not, of like, this is where all your problems start. You yeah. know what I mean? So you might as well like give kids the respect of what they go through, you know, as they go through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so insane that she, Lucy was a therapist, but she did it for <laughs> nefarious reasons. And she would try to get Charlie Brown to admit certain things. It would just mm -hmm. be like, you know, it would make you feel better if I held the ball and you kicked it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I guess this is helping talking about this. And then. She pulled away. He land and he didn't land flat on. There's times where he landed on his upper back, like near his neck. Like it was a dangerous yeah. prank. Yeah. And the but the fact that she was doing therapy for people, I just it was so that kind of a cartoon just wouldn't be made now unless it was. No, although, you know, a jokes. lot of the stuff that Lucy that we, you know, we judge Lucy for, we then 30 years later celebrated Johnny Knoxville for. Right. It, you know what I mean? And that's just delightful and boys being boys. But if Lucy does it, she's a vicious. I mean, in Triangle of Sadness, it's a it's a peanut special people don't talk about. Lucy actually staples Charlie Brown's uh, nutsack to his leg, which well, was such a pre-jackass. <laughs> they were the OG jackass. Really Linus were. jumps off that weird two foot wall. They're always walking by. <laughs> I was always obsessed with those backgrounds because I started to catch on of like, oh, that's right. They can't just make new backgrounds all the time as people walk around. That was like a thing because I we just watched so much television as kids that I started like going like, you know, in Scooby-Doo, 
when they run down a hall. And I said this once to lamp, my friend's chair, sister, lamp, picture chair. plant, picture plant. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they're just, it's like, whoa, whoa. And it's like, first of all, how long is this hallway? This, why are we still going? It's 50 yards long. <laughs> There's only two things in the hallway and it repeats all the way down. Like all those kinds of things where that's how much TV it was like we were, I was getting, picking apart the background. What do you know what that's called? Like with the, the base layer of, of the cartoon cell that they put the characters on. Oh, sure. I mean, I would call it a background. Sure. Oh uh, yeah. Background makes sense. And then they would just scroll over that one drawing over and over. And we yeah. all noticed, we all know that it was lamp chair, lamp chair. <laughs> They did okay, on. but then you did you moved on to the Christmas special. You, so you already watched it or have you not yet? It is. That one is sweeter. Yeah, that's one is less dysfunctional. And I don't know why, <laughs> but it made me cry several times. Uh, I also I I'm not. Are you a Christmas person? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, are you a Christian? Are you? I'm a, I, it's I'm funny a you've never asked Christian. this. Uh, what is your relationship <laughs> like with Christ, Karen? <laughs> Um, I think he's really hot and I love how good of a listener he is. Yes. Um, I have a very strong lifelong relationship with Christ that I keep private. Yeah. Imagine that Christians of the world, just zipping your lip about, uh, your relation. Um, in all seriousness. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Right. Yeah. You I know, just keep you it know myself. Yeah. But that special. I love Christmas. I love, I love waiting around to feel the Christmassy feeling. And sometimes I don't get it till like February. It's really weird. Yeah. Especially if like, you know, like losing your mom, there's yes. these things that kind of like come as speed bumps where then you're kind of like, is it wrong that we're having Christmas is, Oh, this isn't the same. Right. And you kind of go through this weird, you know, thing where you're processing Christmas differently. But like we were, where was I? I was eating with my friend Albertina at the Astro Diner last night. And that comes on in the background. And I go, oh, this is my first Christmas jingle, Christmas carol. Or that's the word I'm looking for, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Christmas music. Sure. Christmas music. Yeah. Carols are, you know, that's door to door. It's very intrusive. That's more that. Yeah. Um, this was like a straight up Christmas song and I go, Oh, it's my first Christmas song this season. And Albertina goes, Oh, you haven't been leaving your house. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you're right. We're like well into the teens here, but it was the first one I'd heard. And then I was like, Oh, and then they have a little, I just noticed they have a Christmas tree here. Like I'm so not an outside person right. these days that the Christmas spirit has not hit me because I'm just in this room on this computer. So having I, Zoom might, meetings. I might be more of it because I've been listening to Christmas music at my apartment. I made this isn't a tree, but I did make a, uh, a thing with my plant stand. <laughs> nice. Oh, there's so little Chris put little white lights. Are those icicle lights? Are it's they a sparkly? poinsettia or poinsettia as it's spelled and as my mother pronounced it? <laughs> That's pretty. Last night, the improv had a Christmas party and I kind of went there hesitantly because I knew it'd be packed and I wasn't sure, you know, you, I was worried that I wouldn't know anyone. It was the best. Hanging out with Bill Dwyer. He was so fun Ugh. and funny. I, I was wishing you were there because it was so much 
fun and everyone was in such a good mood. I Bill Dwyer in... is, we should have him on. He is truly the funniest comedian. He is, he's great and he's always in a good mood and he always like wants to riff and play games Ugh. and he makes me feel like a kid again. It makes me think of the first time I met him on the road featuring for him and we were just inventing games in the condo, throwing yep. frozen peas across the room into the, <laughs> he would open the freezer and I'd throw frozen peas and he'd try to close it before I could get it in there. Frozen <laughs> peas were everywhere. We were laughing. We weren't even drinking. We were just, I'm like, this guy is the funnest. He's the truly the best. He also has one of the greatest jokes where he's like, he puts up his hand and it, it, I think at the time he was married, but so he had a gold ring on and he'd be like, Bill Dwyer. And then he'd pull the ring up and go, Bill Dwyer at the mall. Remember that? <laughs> like he is truly one of the best comedians. If you have a chance to see him, you have to go see him. I've never, he's he so takes hilarious. the ring off and says, Bill Dwyer at Bill the mall. Bill Dwyer at the mall. And I'm, he's kind of turning at the waist like a weird autom automaton and showing everybody him being single at the mall. He's, he's, and also we used to work one of my very, very, first any kind of comedy writing jobs was on like an internet comedy news show it was crazy me and john matta um and bill dwyer all worked there and bill was the first of all his jokes he would just write like three pages of jokes that were the whole show no one i was sitting there trying to put ideas together like feeling so terrible about myself and Bill Dwyer's jokes were just like, okay, well, there we go. That's, that's all we need. He's so good. And then he would do stuff like one time he was just gone for a while. And then I, I hear him out in the hallway. He's like, Karen, Hey, Karen, come out here for a second. So I go outside and he's not out there. And then I look up and he's holding himself up on the, between the wall and the ceiling, like Spider-Man to <laughs> like to scare me. And it just purely to do it like and this is a man that had like three or four kids. Yeah, he wasn't he, he wasn't like a college student. And last he, night he was wearing a black velvet sport coat with a red like nice dress shirt underneath a what looked almost handmade, a knit <laughs> misfit sweater, a black with the giant <laughs> misfit skull. Yeah. He couldn't have been more, but Christmassy. He was Christmas punk rock last night. I was like, I'm looking around. I'm like, no one is cooler than him. I was close because I had my new glasses on, which, by the way, I lost last night. I'm trying not to beat myself over it, but they got to uh -oh. be in the improv somewhere. Yeah, uh, they are. They're, they're somewhere. They're under. I'm after this. I'm going to go find them. I'm not going to worry about it. But okay. <laughs> Uh, Bill Dwyer was the cool, his style wise, he was, he was, uh, the winner last night. We had so much fun God damn and it. just all these faces of people. I really, even when I do comedy shows, you're not hanging out like that. No, you people just are say, always coming and going or like, yeah, wait, name other people. Cause this is, I, I miss Bill Dwyer so much. Who else was there that I would have been I excited mean, to see? Even people like Greg Hahn is this ex-Marine like he's huge, like Gary Goldman, but he used to open for Daniel Tosh back when I was doing it. And he's the goofiest, silliest comic ever that doesn't use his impending stature. <laughs> he's just ridiculously funny. And I was so excited to see him and tell him like, hey, I'm a big fan of yours. And I always have been. And Aww. I just wanted to tell you that. And he really appreciated it. It was just all the it was a. Everyone was in a good mood and saying sweet things to each other. And that was one of the first times 
like you and I, when we were podcasting over the quarantine, we were like, I promise I'm going to go to parties. I'm going to appreciate being there. Yes, I'm not going right. to say no to things. Last night, I finally felt like, okay, everyone is on the same page with enjoying being around each other. It was yeah. just, it was just, I mean, even Aaron Pooler von Schonenfeld, the first booker that liked me there was there. And I was so happy to see her. I wish Zoe Aww. Friedman had been there. Um, it was just the staff uh, there. I wanted to see Eddie. I wanted to text bartender Eddie because I haven't seen him in forever. Craig, the the bartender that used to bartend during your show with April, he was there mm-hmm. and he's so funny and fun. Oh, so nice. Yeah. I just had a lot of great interactions, even with comics whose names I I don't remember because it's been so long. I was still, hey, you, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Just avoiding yeah. names. It was so fun. It was. That's awesome. Yeah. It really put me in the Christmas spirit, which is why I asked you about your relationship with Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see Jonathan Richmond last night. Do you care about his music? I don't not care about it because I don't know who he is. <laughs> you. I bet if you I? heard a song, you would, because he's been around since like late 60s, 70s. And he he had that song, Road Runner, Road Runner, dun, 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 and he has the song, um, I'm straight and I want to take his place. I'm straight. And it's a song about like, this guy's a stoner and I'm not a stoner and I want to take his place. Well, I can I don't recognize those songs, but I can tell the way you're casually singing them that it <laughs> might be right up my alley. Okay, so you know in the movie something about Mary, there's a troubadour guy that yes, walks through and that it's guy. Him. Yes. Okay. It's him. And so he's been around forever and he got this kind of like after something about Mary, there was like this peak of like this guy or whatever. But there's of course he's like a musician's musician. So there are people that have been following him since day one. And his truly his music is so listenable and it's so perfectly done and he's opened with the song that i couldn't tell uh i think he was making it up on the spot and it was <laughs> he was talking he just started talking about like like love is in the air but you you have to be available and you can't numb out and we've all numbed out and it's this whole thing but he does it really kind of like over dramatically it's just it was so delightful and he started exactly at eight o'clock. He's 70 years old, but he's like, but you wouldn't know it. You'd think wow, he was like 50 yeah. and he's got like a, he plays guitar and it's like acoustic. And then he's got like a, a percussionist on stage with him that mostly plays like, I don't know what the instrument is, but I would say bongos in the, but it's not. There's a drummer that's really furious. <laughs> I right want to say bongos, <laughs> but it is not. <laughs> but I shouldn't and can't. Steel drum, maracas. They, <laughs> well, it's like he's just percussion. So he's yeah. just like the he's backing him up. And um, he has a song called Dancing at a Lesbian Bar that was his closer. Like everyone knows that one. That I've uh, heard. That I've okay. heard. Yeah. It was just like, but it felt it was that kind of thing where everyone was very quiet and listening so hard. And he was doing all this stuff and being very like it w- It just felt like actual art and one of his songs was like people have no shame they um they steal 
everything. And then he just goes into a Santana riff. <laughs> like, like at first you think he got some a song stolen from him and that's why he wrote this song. And then he just basically ends the song by ripping off Santana. And it's so funny. Like, and anyway, the show ended like, like at 845 or 850, we were in the car by nine o'clock where I'm like, this is exactly what I am talking about of going to a concert where it's like, it's almost like you get a, just a direct injection of like beautiful artistry and somebody who's authentic and cool and original. And then you just get out of there. And he leaves and, you wanting more. He doesn't overstay yeah. that. Well, no. I, it's funny that I hope that it part of you, I mean, you can feel however you want, but you do that to audiences <laughs> too. And mm. everything you just described, I've seen you do. Uh, Thank you. So I, <laughs> I I don't I don't know I know you're taking and you can take a break. I mean, my dad said I don't paint. I I'm gonna paint when I'm retired, and he took twenty some years off. And sure enough, <laughs> he you've seen how good he he was when he picked it back up. There's no I'm not adding pressure again, but you you're very good, and you do that also. And you thank you. Yeah, your songs aren't comedy songs necessarily, but you're funny in between everything you just said about this guy. <laughs> You're the troubadour, like. Karen. <laughs> well, but there's something, you know what it was? I think I got to really appreciate because there's people and I think, you know, when you're left to your own devices, you tell yourself a bunch of shit that you think is like reality, that you're not being that you are pretending you can do a thing you actually can't do or whatever evil voice uh, I have in my head. That's always just like, don't do that. It's super embarrassing. And watching him do that where I'm like, oh, this is where I got the idea. Like listening to this guy and watching this guy or watching someone like Daniel Johnston, watching people who are like, I don't really care if I'm the best guitar player in the world, I have this idea and I think you're going to like it. Yeah. And that energy itself will work like you can. That is enough. And you just have to kind of execute that in a way that where it's very difficult, but you have to be vulnerable enough to kind of like then give people that no matter what they're going to give you back, right. which is this guy has been Jonathan Richmond has been like essentially doing that thing around people loving him or, you know, whatever. He doesn't give a shit. He's, he's, I've seen him three times over the last 20 years and oh, he, really? it's the, the same every time in that energy of like, he likes to put his guitar down and just dance around and people kind of go like, at first people go like, woo, like they're playing along, almost like comment on. But then after a while, you're kind of like, this rules. Like this guy loves what he's doing. Yeah. I would, I would, I just was imagining if you put down the guitar and started doing that. I mean, I'm not, it, would, it just seems out of character for you, but the visual of it just made me happy. <laughs> you started like, uh, like a mom, like uh, uh, my mom, when she had some wine, like started yeah. essentially. Just kind of hands you know, and hips, hands and hips. Hands yeah. and hips, paper. Yep. Pl yeah. Plant table, plant table. <laughs> <laughs> just run like scooby-doo down around the stage well i mean it's funny because i saw you throw it together at the last second one of my favorite songs you did uh and i'm biased of course was for our podcast but uh you how did you ever do a long version of the my favorite murder song no i meant to and it was like i think the um 
That's so funny because that so was supposed to be a placeholder, but it was this thing where I was just like, I know what I want this song to sound like. So here I'll just give an example. And then basically George is like, okay. And then it was like, and then we just were like, now we're doing it now. Like now it's happening. So we're not going to go back and find, we're not going to buy a song or, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. So then I think there was a point in time where I was like, I should write that as a whole song, but then now it's about, it's almost like, it's just a sting. It's just a, like a little intro. It isn't, I don't think it is a whole song. Well, there is a, uh, artist. She's, uh, I think they, it's Texas. So she's female artist of the year in Austin, but she's, uh, married to guy Forsa, uh, Forsyth. This, I, an artist, a blues guitarist that I remember went back when I lived in Austin and she did, she sent me a message and sent a link to a full length version of the song. And it is haunting and sounds like it's from what? true detective and you have to hear it. I, uh, it's, is it's, that in the box with all my other shit? Uh, yes. It's one of your <laughs> gifts, but she sent a message and I, and I finally read it. Uh, it's like, please have Karen listen to this. And I listen to it. And it's so good. But she said that on some podcasts, you, you said, I don't know that I could recreate what i did i don't uh, uh for the my favorite murder song that did you right. say that yeah because it was like i always use a capo because i can't do bar chords and then so wherever the capo was is a mystery i'm sure someone could figure it out and then i know i was doing a little hammer thing it i mean i can only play five chords so it's it's a, probably a g to c to something like something minor, yeah. maybe I'm not sure, but I think you'll love here. I'll, I'll send you Jessica is her name. I'll, I'll send you yes. the song. Please it's, do. It's I would love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, my point is you, you're, you inspire people as a musician. You should do it again. If you want, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. That's nice. I like that idea. It's, you know what it is. It music is just like when people get it right. And I feel like this is why so many people love to do their own music. It's because like it is such a very specific kind of expression and it is so fucking fun if you do it like you can do it by yourself and have a really good time. But also the more people that do it with you, then there's this like insanely powerful communal thing. Did I tell you about that? I did Brian. Um, I did this show at permanent records roadhouse and it's called bring your own cover band, I think. And so we went and we did, they wanted to do PJ Harvey and Brian cook and those guys. Yep. Yeah. It's Brian cook, Andy Andy Wood, Wood. Um, sure. Yeah. Rick, um, Rick Wood. Does Rick have the same last name as Andy Wood? Anyway, Roy Wood jr. (laughs) <laughs> all the wood the entire wood family is there and they're playing woodwinds <laughs> steve woodwind steve <laughs> woodwind <laughs> but winwood. we did the winwood we did pj harvey songs and i love her of course oh, yeah. and the very big deal 90 like i had all these 90s feelings where i was just like oh there's there's some big shit yeah. big memories here but one of the songs they were like they already already picked a couple that they wanted to do. And then I was like, guys, we have to do kamikaze. It's like the fucking coolest song of all time. When we, when I went to rehearse it with them, it is like, um, now I think the drummer's name is Charlie shit. 
I can't remember. He's super <laughs> okay. nice and an amazing, like he's a touring drummer. He plays with Belinda Carlisle. He plays with like all these fucking cool people. He's like the real deal. And he goes, I don't even know how to s- say it, but what he, he's like, this is in six, six time or six, one time. It was some insane rhythm that of course all those guys were good at because they're really good musicians and they kind of know how to do it. And we were practicing, but I picked it and I literally was like, I don't know where to come in. <laughs> like I didn't, cause it was this kind of like, you have to hear the song PJ Harvey kamikaze. It's so fucking heavy and awesome. And we rehearsed it and we only got to like rehearse it three times on one night. Uh-huh. And then I was like, Hey, are we going to rehearse this again? And Brian's like, you got it. It's going to be fine. Cause it's like, they, they're already doing eight other songs and they don't really care. And I'm like, fuck, I picked this. I have to get this right. And so I just listened to her version over and over. And the night of we went into that song and we fucking nailed it. And it was, it felt like I could fly. Like that feeling of like, I know when to start. I know this really well. Now I'm actually singing it. It was so fucking cool in this way that I can't explain. And it's very much like, you know, it's almost like, um, what do they call that? Like rock, uh, rock camp or whatever, yeah, where like yeah, people yeah. go and pay money to be an Aerosmith or whatever. That's what it felt like. But it's like my friends who are also comics or musicians that like to hang out and yeah. do it. It was the, it felt like the best thing That's I've ever great, done in I my life. I remember you being kind of nervous for that. I was fucking shitting. I kind of was like, should I tell them I'm sick or have COVID? Because mm-hmm. that idea where it's just like the beat, was unlike anything. And I never even noticed before because of course it's her song and her doing it. And it all is just kind of like, Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. And then once you sit there and it's like, you're getting counted in, I can't explain how it was almost like we were doing fancy jazz. It was so hard to follow anyway. And we fucking nailed it. Night of, we nailed it like to a T it was fucking rad. I was, I did a version of red, red wine that went from, Neil Diamond to UB40. And that was in my early, isn't reggae hilarious if I do it? God days. <laughs> but I was so nervous and I wish that we had rehearsed more because I had the same feeling with my college buddies when we went and did those punk songs. I'm like, I can, all I have to do is be confident on, on stage. All the things you were telling me to do. Confidant. A, a confidant. All I have to do is be a friend and a confidant to these, these golden girls of mine. That's and, right. <laughs> and I, uh, it felt to do all these old punk songs that everyone there recognized from skate videos and they're singing along. And I look back and these are friends of mine that I was all scared and lived in the dorms and met all these guys in college. It was, there were times where I'd be screaming, singing, and I was, uh, my eyes were tearing up. Yeah. It was windy and we were outside. So that was part of it. <laughs> sure. But I also, it was very emotional for me. And we're, we're doing shows again on, on my birthday weekend in February. We're doing the, the where Mount are you Baker doing it? Do you Bank know? slalom. <laughs> and we rented a house and we're going to rehearse for three days. And I'm not scared this time. I'm just excited. So I have had a taste of that, but. Yes, it's it's incredible. It is like the fucking greatest, but also, sorry, a bank slalom. What do you mean? Yes, it is one of the oldest snowboard contests. It is a long uh, kind of rugged 
slalom course with big berms like the walls you know like race car walls that are beveled up and it's it's very fast and difficult and it's a snowboard contest that's gone on for like almost 40 years if not more than 40 where is it yeah at mount baker in washington yeah so we're renting a house up there and we're doing two shows and it's going to be packed with people that i assume Snowboarding and skateboarding are enough of a crossover sport that I think people will know these songs. Um, yes. I'm nervous. I'm also excited, but I really, I want to consult a voice coach. I got to learn at least what I'm supposed to sound like and get some tips. It's got to help. What do you think? Should I do that? Sure. Or should I, mean, I just practice? Well, you can do both, but yeah, yeah. I think the most helpful thing anyone ever told my friend, Don Cummings, who's the best singer and he can play the piano and sing and it's so impressive but he's like you have to be breathing big the whole time he's like your your gut is like a bellows and you're just filling up with air and pushing the air back out and that like thinking of it that way because when you're nervous and you get excited or whatever it's all tightening yeah and you have to figure out how to stay loose and relaxed yeah which is very hard because that's it's like the paradox of performing where like that's the one time you're the most nervous yeah. it's so vulnerable to sing it's like so much more vulnerable than comedy yeah people don't understand that so it's like so now you're at your most vulnerable and then you have to be at least as relaxed as you can possibly right. and be i know i wasn't scenario. doing it. one i sing from inside my skull i go no further down than my <laughs> neck and i i all of my vocals come from my nasal passage And I, I pretty much hold my breath in between lyrics. So I already know I'm doing that wrong. And I'm also screaming. Uh, But throughout a show, I started to figure it out. Like at the end, I'm like, oh, I sound like I know what I'm doing right now. I could. Yes. uh, Because you just need to practice. But also I wonder, I bet you on like YouTube, you can look up vocal exercises and vocal tips, like vocal uh, singing, singer tips or whatever. Because people have that knowledge to give yeah i did watch some video that had me doing like uh, a grumbling didgeridoo like singing in my throat yes i don't know what that's for but i did it and it did help like prime my vocal cords before the show and yeah, make it's me a warm think up. of australia at the same time <laughs> which you always is relaxing it is i Poisonous mean poisonous snakes I- <laughs> gigantic spiders <laughs> relaxing stuff yeah kangaroos with razor sharp punching claws <laughs> coming up over a hill as you're trying to relax and have a picnic yes. now you're fighting a kangaroo and their kid is staying all of it <laughs> from the pouch <laughs> And then you're like, do you have the time to listen to me whine? Yeah, we should do old. There's old Green Day in some skate videos prior to Dookie. Yes. And I wouldn't mind Billy Joel Armstrong, I guess all of Green Day. I'm not a huge fan anymore, but they did a cover of some Misfit song and I watched it over and over and over. I just realized they are like an amazing band, but it's just not. Yeah something i grew up listening well to. also they they were one of those first kind of like a punk band that went to wide. juilliard or something did they yeah oh he's <laughs> like a trained musician like oh. uh, yeah yeah like uh 
I just thought knew he was from the Bay Area. But they went wide as a punk band, which, of course, everyone's like, you're a phony. And it was the 90s, which was the worst era to live in maybe ever. Yeah. With that kind of shit, that Kurt Cobain, like if you try, if you lift a finger to try, you're immediately a fraud. Yeah. People notice you're trying. Yeah. Yes. And it's like those guys comparatively they were a great band and they wrote really hooky great songs and they got a lot of shit for just like being popular yep totally that was that's the most anti-punk thing you can do is have everyone like you (laughs) yes that's right that's right well well i like this idea of our that we're basically going to on this podcast transform our years-long comedy careers into brand new so lead vocalist <laughs> you know i'm gonna get and i read these messages i'm gonna get a lot of them that in, insisting you and i collaborate i'm not ready i have to fail on my own first so the answer is no karen i know that you that's where this was leading do Look, you want to do a duo our i can't handle your intense snowboard punk rock right. career. it's just a different vibe my I'm aggressive doing like a street Fair. style your street style does not match up with my art teacher uh, crocheted vest PJ Harvey covers. <laughs> we'll get there, though. We'll come back around. But you should actually, once you do that, you figure out, you should tell Brian Cook you want to do one of those. Because yeah, Brian I, and Andy love doing like any and all songs. Yeah, I was. They We were talking about it and I, I just didn't follow up. But yeah, I do want to do that. Because they also do Guilty Treasure, which is super fun. That's what I did. You, yeah. Yeah. That one is my favorite. Well, that's, you of just, course, why I picked UB40. Of course, I, I when <laughs> Red Red Wine comes on, I, I don't have to be on a cruise ship. I will enjoy it anywhere. But I have to be very private about that. It's famously a song people don't like, I guess. Well, I, I love feel it. like I love in, red, red wine. It's here's the thing. <laughs> I, I'm if sorry. you were if you were a teen or a preteen in like 1982, that thing was our like brown eyed girl. It was on everywhere all the time. Like it was constant and you couldn't get away from it. And it was this weird kind of like it was it was, it's just so funny. Culturally, it's such an odd breakout hit. Yeah. My sister had their albums like to me, it was it was a cool like English band that, you know, knowing about the specials and madness, I kind of put it in that category. But the video that video was always on and it was insane to me because he's singing about this this woman that he's in love with that is cheating on him with this other man, but it's the drummer of the band. So during the shots where they're actually singing the song, the guy's just behind him drumming but then they go to these scenes where she's on a date with him and i'm like just turn around and yell at him he's the drummer (laughs) (laughs) they just should have hired an actor out it was very confusing they should well they must have made up because now we're singing they're singing the song together he must not be mad anymore (laughs) there's a band that i absolutely adore and they're kind of like a they're like a comedy band out of Ireland called the rubber bandits. Oh. And they have a song called Roshane. I want to fight your father. <laughs> and it is the funniest fucking thing you've ever seen. First of all, these guys wear plastic bags on their faces and they pull out the eyes and the mouth. But other than that, they have a very tightly 
tied plastic bag on their head. That would put and, me on edge if I was watching, because we all know that is classically how we lose children, apparently. Yes, well, you're not supposed yes, to put plastic bags on your head. No, you are not. You're not <laughs> supposed to. It doesn't look good. It's disturbing. <laughs> but during this song, and it's kind of like they tried to make it like it's a it's a little bit of almost like an R&B kind of jam uh, song. It's a very good, funny song. But at one point he's singing and he says something about I'll pay for your tattoo or something. And then in the video, <laughs> In the video, the girl's leaning on the thing, getting a tattoo on her back. And when the camera comes around, she's getting UB40 tattooed on her back in like foot tall letters. <laughs> and it is the that reveal made me laugh for like five minutes. I was like, <laughs> that's the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, she's, <laughs> she just wants UB40 across her back. It's so obscure. I love In Excess. The more time passes, the more I revisit old songs. I, 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 I have sort of a crush on Michael Hutchins because I want to be him. I want to crawl into him and, and live him. <laughs> sure. Uh, but he's dead. I know he's dead. But in my mind, he's still alive. I was at a, a cell phone store one day and this guy had, I just noticed his, he was tattooed all over with script. And I was reading it and it was all, his whole body was covered in in excess lyrics. Oh, whoa. Which at the time I'm like, that's you're crazy. He's like, no, it's my favorite band. I don't think it's crazy anymore. I think that guy's awesome. But at the time I was like, wait, there's no way you're that into NXS. It's a huge commitment. Yeah. All the songs on his arms. I mean, it looked good. They were, it was written like in typeface. It was like, oh, you oh. Are, are covered with information. You're like a digital prisoner from the future <laughs> you're you're a digital prisoner from the future if they made prisoners be liner notes in the <laughs> <Yes>. future <laughs> but uh yeah i i i'm what i'm saying is i'm gonna get a big in excess tattoo on my upper back okay good yeah. that's that's <laughs> what i wanted to hear th Thank this you. wrap into <laughs> that's your christmas gift to yourself this year yeah it's important <laughs> to give yourself some self-care <laughs> Oh, Bill Dwyer. Oh, I miss him. Yeah, we'll have also him the I ran into him, you know, five years ago or something like that, wherever it was. And he was exactly the same. Here's yeah. what I love people like that that are just like, especially in L.A., where people come to this town and, you know, have great things happen to them and then have horrible things happen to them. And it's like it is a very difficult life to be like, I'm going to be a comedian <laughs> and try to make my way. It's fucking rough. And Bill has he's been like a game show host. He's done it all. He's so, so good. Actually, yeah. that just reminds me I was going to write this fucking pilot that he I wanted it was called the Bill Dillman show and it was poor man's copyright. Although I've already written this, so you can't steal it, but it was, the, <laughs> it was a guy who it's recorded. That means it's yeah. This, right? it, I own it. Yeah. It's, it's copywriting. The digital copyright is yes. taking place as yes. we speak. Yes. But it was, it would be Bill Dwyer and he plays the host of a variety show in like 1972 who thinks that Lawrence Welk is a current host and he thinks he's competing with him. And so he's a local LA variety show host thinking he's like, I'm going to get him this week. And he doesn't understand that the shows are syndicated and they're from like 10 years before. And no one and is <laughs> telling, why is no one telling him he's not, he's not voicing it in front of others. 
it's basically a, a behind the scenes chaos show okay. of what it would have been like to work on a variety show in 1972 when like the director like the opening shot is the director. You hear the God mic where the director is telling a singer on the stage, like, don't take another step. You're on. And then it's like, cause you know, do you remember on the Lawrence Welsh, this might be a reference that no one gets, but I was obsessed with Lawrence Welk at, from childhood. Cause my grandmother used to watch it and she'd be like, come in here and watch it with me. And so like, oftentimes it was the seventies sets where like, it would be a big wide stage. And then a woman standing halfway up on a staircase that goes nowhere. Big glittery so like, curtains, as far as yes, I exactly. Okay. Big, tall, glittery curtains. The yeah. orchestra's over on the side, yes. and she's singing, you know, um, Moon River, but she's just on this weird staircase to nowhere, and it's all very dramatic. And and so it's like she's her eyes are fully dilated because she's c completely on some kind of pill, performance on, like, enhancing pills. Yes, yes, and so she's kind of, and they're like. Don't walk up those stairs. And it's the director and he's calling the shots, but he's drunk in the control room, like with a big glass of oh, brown liquor. God, it was a simpler time. Everyone smoking. Yes. Everyone <laughs> smoking the entire time. And Bill Dwyer would be Bill Dillman. He's the host. So he's like, because wouldn't he be the perfect like oh, 70s variety show host? I Did you know that I was on an MTV reality show called 70s House where they took these kids and move them into a house. They took away their flip phones. It was a long time ago. And Bill was the game show host. Like he'd come over and they'd be quizzed about 70s <laughs> TV shows and inventions. And if they got them wrong, they got kicked off. And I just came over as the neighbor. I, I had a Trans Am and nunchucks and my hair was huge with a mustache. But Jimmy nice. Walker was on it. Gallagher was on it. <laughs> Natasha Leggero was the other host. It nice. was like, and he was so, he had a long skinny mic. He, yep. I've seen him be a seventies game show host yes. on MTV and he was amazing at it. He's the perfect. Yeah. He's Bill Dillman. And because we met him together, Bill and I mourned the loss of Gallagher just last night. Oh, <laughs> well, we talked about how much he really didn't like being on that show. He was, yeah. yeah, he did not enjoy himself. And I understood. I understood. They made him wear a hat with hair stapled to the inside so it looked like his old hair. That didn't probably make him feel good. <laughs> <laughs> then don't take the fucking job. Oh, Here's yeah. the thing. It's the word no. Get uh, to the be honest, I know he just passed, but he was so mean. <laughs> he was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> but God rest him. I hope he's well, in a that's better the thing. place emotionally. <laughs> this business, it, it breaks people. It does. It breaks people. Yeah, it, it really does. does. It's hard. It's not an easy run. But we're doing OK with it. We really are. And I think in 2023, this is when everything's going to change. Oh, this yeah. Really when it's all going to come together. I'm going to go ahead and just just to play it safe. 2024 is going to be my year. I think I need another <laughs> just for yeah, me personally. One, just one year of prep. I get it. I think as 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 humanity, we will all blossom in 2023. But for me personally, success will come in 2024. I'm just putting it out there. I think that's a safe good. one year buffer. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. I, I think for, for 2023, I'm going to become very limber. That's my thing. A lot of stretching. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I need it. Do you have rollers? Do you have massage guns? <laughs> no. Okay. Get I those have, items. Um, okay. I'm, I'll get those for, I'll ask my sister for those for Christmas. 
Because I've been, yeah, I I think it's very it's very important to just dig those into your into your problem areas. They, oh yeah, to loosen it up. Oh yeah, yeah. But even just a basic, you know, touch your toes kind of sure. thing. I just I do it sometimes when I go into the kitchen, like wait for water to boil or something. And then I'm just like, I need to be doing this consistently and for an extended period of time. Yeah, and I never have. Everyone I know stretches before they skateboard or do anything. I just go and do it. And anytime <laughs> someone has lovingly come up behind me and put their hands on my shoulders. They are horrified. Their hands retract immediately and they're like, good Lord, you're like a (laughs) knotted up stress ball. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then don't put your hands there if you don't like it. I guess start. Oh, my God. Driving here. There is a place in Silver Lake called Pilates Punks. And so with an X and I slowed down and sure enough, it was a Pilates class and everyone had purple mohawks i almost drove the car off the road so maybe i can i assume they're listening to punk rock too which seems like it would defeat the calming purpose but uh, i mean no pilates isn't supposed to be calming that's yoga pilates is like you're you're doing some serious stretching and extending of your spine right right so they're just kind of like yeah muscles because sometimes they do a thing where like you have to lift your heels off the ground and then lift your head off the ground and just stay there for three minutes it's hard yeah it is hard and i did it a little bit here and it was easy to like cheat and look like you're doing it but i was not doing it all in my core or where you're supposed to be focusing on i was just like uh, you know, using s- special, uh, my own little fallback positions. And they, I think they could tell I was cheating. Yeah. It's easy to cheat in there and not do it properly. And then you don't get the benefits. I would leave not sweaty and everyone else would leave sweaty. And I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. And they're like, you're only cheating yourself. And then you can turn around and go, if this was 1991, you'd all be fucked. You could never name your business this. (laughs) Everyone would throw Molotov cocktails through your front window. (laughs) They are very punk rock at Pilates punks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're screaming about the queen. And I, uh, (laughs) okay, can you hear, there are my neighbors uh, and I live up on a hill, so I, it hasn't bothered me too much. Uh, they bought a, a gaggle of roosters. And famously, I thought that roosters only did that in the morning, but they do it all day. Yeah. They think it's 6 a.m. all day until and it's dark right now and they're still yeah. roostering. I believe it's the proper crowing. They're crowing. Yeah. And they will not stop. Why do people have roosters as pets? That's all. I just watched a TikTok about how good chickens are for like eating compost and they get rid of a ton of waste and stuff. But it's hard in the city because maybe they're stressed out or something. Yeah. I don't know. I can't hear it, though. Okay, good. Well, that's because I got a good mic and I'm using my uh, proper vocal exercises. You're drawing deep to ground it out. Yeah. A lot of heavy breathing. We've got, we've hit the hour mark. We're good to go. I I hate to leave it on such a floppy dud with that rooster (laughs) business. It's like, Hey, you want a non sequitur? I got lightheaded. This rooster business started coming out of my mouth. I'm like, why the hell am I going here? You know why? I knew you couldn't hear the roosters. I couldn't. Why bring them up? Well, you were just trying to, you were just trying to find the button and we do have to allow 
we have to allow for the art to come in. I can't believe how much time has passed. You're I know. I mean, it's just the two of us, but it was like you were a fun guest today. Just the two of us. Um, what if you button <laughs> what if you button it uh-huh. with your New Year's a New Year's resolution? Okay. I am going to therapy and I'm going to see if there are certain pills that I could take that make me um, consistently happy. (laughs) Well, if you find out, will you let me know? (laughs) Yes. No, I think that I've gotten enough messages being diagnosed uh, by everyone but doctors about this ADHD business. And I think that uh, people are onto something the more I... I think it's the reason I set aside my $300 glasses last night. I do have trouble focusing. And the times I've, not recreationally, but just had a bit of an Adderall, uh, I am a winning high-performance version of myself. And you think that that would uh, (laughs) be a clear sign that maybe I should uh, have it on hand. But honestly, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to find a therapist. And that's a great idea, though. I mean, it, whatever they prescribe you aside and whatever the results, that's huge. Karen, that's a great I idea. tell other people to do it all the time. When we do our ads, we're telling people therapy <laughs> is good. And I haven't. Done, I'm admitting that I'm admitting it to you and better help and everyone. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it. And uh, I mean it. And uh, you can even follow up. I, I promise. Okay, I, it's important. So that Emily's there you cut go. That whole area, cut that whole area. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't mean to lay a big one on you. Now, what's no, your I'm what's totally your joking. resolution? Um, I have to. Mine's stretching, but okay. I, like I think that really has to be. And I like this idea. Both of us are picking out of the comfort zone things, right? Yeah. Where it's it's a scary thing to like figure out how to get a therapist or to actually sit there and be like, all right, I'm actually doing this thing because it's vulnerability. With mine, I think it's like I want to get to the point where then I can go take a class and not feel self right. Not feel really anything. Just kind of go do it and feel fine. Yeah. It, because I, right now my comfort zone is the only place I feel like I ever exist except for like working stuff, but anything else, I'm always like, Oh, I can't go to that. It's too, Oh, I can't, whatever. And it's like, who gives a shit? Like that idea is, is getting to be, it's just like, I want to work on it without the excuse of it's supposed to somehow be exactly perfect or like comfortable for me, where it's like, I'm not comfortable doing physical things really anymore. And I need to get back to it because because yeah. I used to take fucking Pilates classes three times a week. Like that was a thing that was just like, yeah, you have to do it. You have to like move around. And you remember and the, the older I get. You, it yeah. felt good, right? Yeah. And so oh my God. Quickly amazing. We forget. OK. Yes. You do that. We, and and both the things we're planning on doing is is caring about ourselves. And that will make us better people, even it's, I'm just going to have, I'm not even going to have expectations. I think just doing those things. Yes. Will make It'll us. be like an adventure. We'll both be having, doing an experiment on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's going to be a, a great way. 2024. You know what it is? <laughs> I'm going to start stretching so that I can get ready to consistently play pickleball. 
That's that is my detailed one. I well, I have your paddle. It didn't come with the big yellow wiffle ball, but I did see it. And uh, I can uh, get my hands on one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will drop this off before I leave Friday. Awesome. Perfect. Oh, I love that. Okay, great. All right. Well, then I'll see you soon. Um, Thank you all for listening to us. Whether you've been listening for, um, I don't know, has it been nine years or (laughs) or this last year? If you just joined us, um, whatever it is, our audience is growing and we're not doing anything to make it happen except for that you guys are coming to listen. And so I just wanted to say we really appreciate you as an audience. You're some of the nicest, warmest listeners And it's such a it's so fun that we know there's people out there that listen to us talk about pickleball. Suddenly we have the best pickleball paddle in the business like that kind of support. And Chris gets it all the time when he does his live shows. It's just so lovely. So thank you. It's been every time I do a show and I meet you guys, it is it. I get emotional. I I, it's we are so lucky we that you are all amazing people. and. yeah. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. And thank you, Annalise, for producing this show with us and for being here and supporting us. And you've been doing it for a while. I don't think we've ever thanked you on my Yeah, so thanks, we'll do it now. Thank you so much. No, thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, see, that was way better than that rooster shit. Right. We can pull out of any rooster <laughs> hole you dig for us. Oh, I'll, I'll be like kicking it out <laughs> like a chicken in a bread pan with dough. But picking outdoors. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Follow Do You Need a Ride on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit the exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Do You Need a Ride merch.